I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter. It's time for another Dogman Radio. It's Saturday afternoon. We're up at Seattle Pacific. We just thought we would try and catch up with a little bit of basketball. We'll talk a little bit of basketball. Who we saw here, uh, players that are going to be playing for UW this year, uh, some of the guys that played last year, moving on, playing overseas, uh, D-League, still making some decisions on that. Big commitment uh, for the football team this week, and uh, media days just uh, coming up on us too soon. Uh, so football's about to start, but um, up at Seattle Pacific, uh, it was great to see some of the guys. We uh, got a chance to talk a little bit to Noah Dickerson. Yeah, no, <laughs> Noah's doing good, it sounds like. Yeah, Noah's, um, Noah says he had a tryout with the Lakers Summer League team. They didn't pick him up, so he's probably going to wind up overseas, which seems to be the theme of a lot of the guys who didn't get drafted. Uh, just kind of, a, I guess there's an event going on down in Vegas where they're going to be able to showcase their talents, and then uh, a lot of the European leagues are there scouting out guys. So uh, D-League or G-League, I don't know what the difference between the G-League and the D-League. I think it's the same thing, isn't it? I don't know. I think there was a super draft or something that went on when guys were getting picked by some foreign clubs as well. I thought David Chris got picked up by someone. I can't remember who, but... So the, the, that whole process is still undergoing. Yeah, he said he's probably going to wind up overseas, and he says they pay a lot more. I said, you're looking for a paycheck? And he goes, yeah. Talk to Noah about going overseas. I asked him if he was taking the dog, and he said, yeah. So, um, like I said, I didn't know you have to get a visa for a dog or what you have to do to take the dog. Well, I'm sure they get quarantined and go through the whole process, so they're not, you know, it's like typhoid Mary or whatever. You don't got to make sure they're clean. Got a chance to see, uh, didn't get to talk to him, but saw Dominic Green out on the court. Yeah, yeah, shooting threes as always. Same. He was on the same team with Nas Carter, and Nas obviously was uh, showing off his mid-range game, and he did a nice job, I thought. Yeah, and uh, before you got there, Chris, I had a chance to see um, uh, Elijah Hardy, um, Jaden McDaniels, and Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Stewart's just a monster. I mean, he's just... A beast. He's going to be really tough to handle. He's so athletic and he is so strong down in the low post. Um, he rebounds, he blocks shots, he's got a high motor, runs up and down the court. Uh, he can shoot the mid range, he can shoot the three. He's got it all, Chris. Well, you took a picture of him outside, the four of them, the four freshmen, and, you know, he looks like a senior. I mean, it's just that simple. Physically, he's. You know, we, I talked to Aaron Beach about it uh, a couple weeks ago about just whether or not I'm wondering if he's physically ready to handle the bigger bodies. Because, yeah, he can dominate at the high school level, but once you get into these types of situations and you're playing against bigger, bigger type kids and, and professional type players, I mean, he's going to end up, I assume at some point, going up, up against a guy like a, like a Spencer Hawes or some of these other guys. And he just... He dominates. I think he had, at least I saw on the tweet from the crossover that he had 25 and 10. Um, talking to Jamal Williams afterwards, he thinks he may have even had more. Um, so I think he's well on his way to showing everyone in Seattle he's he's ready to go. Yeah, it looked like uh, Elijah after the game. Um, I mean, Isaiah, it looked like he had on like a taekwondo or, or a judo shirt. And all I could think is, okay, if, if I look like that, I'd never wear a shirt. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's ripped. We don't have to worry about that, so yeah. we're good. Yeah, he's ripped. Uh, Jaden McDaniels um, plays a little tentative and passive at times, but when he gets revved up, um, you know, he's just like a big guard. I mean, he is super athletic. He's long. 
Um, he's pretty lean, but you could also see a lot of talent with him. But the guy is probably, you know, we've seen a lot of Isaiah. We've seen a lot of Jaden McDaniels. But uh, uh, Elijah Hardy did a lot of nice things out there. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> okay. I mean, he, I mean, I, I think he did some nice things even this last year. He didn't play a ton for Washington, but when he did show up, he made, you know, he showed he could shoot from three. Showed he's got a handle, and um, I certainly expect that we're going to see a lot more of Elijah Hardy this fall. Yeah, I think with Elijah, the biggest thing with him is going to be slowing down a little bit in order to speed up slowing down. And he's definitely slowed down a little bit more under control, but he's still going full tilt all the time. Okay, uh, Jaden, I you know again we talked to Jamal Williams outside, and you know the crossover had him down for twenty three and ten in his game. It sounded like he scored a bunch late. Um, Jamal had him for thirty and seventeen, so. I have no idea who's keeping the stats around here, but again, if even if you take the, the crossover stats as the legitimate stats, if if Isaiah Stewart and Jaden McDaniels can go for forty eight and twenty every night, I think the Huskies are going to be in okay shape. Also had a chance to um, not playing in a game, but eyeball and talk to for a brief second Paulo Banchero, one of the top recruits in the country for the twenty. Is he 21? I think so, yeah. He'll be a junior next year. 2021. Yep. Yeah, so um, he's all 6'9", 6'10". He's a big kid. Who knows, but the NBA might, you know, they might rescind their one-and-done rule. So, you know, a guy like Paulo, he might just go straight to the league. Or, you know, I know Arizona lost a kid to, to Australia here in the last day or so. So you never know. I mean, there's there's professional options for a guy like Manchero, but he certainly looks the part. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I also asked him if he was done with football. He played football last year for O'Day, but uh, he says his football days are over. Yeah. When you take a look at that kid, can you imagine him playing quarterback? Sure. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's interesting, though. I, I, I mean, I know, you know, obviously his his calling card is basketball, and, and, he, and, and rightly so. But, you know, even we saw Terrence Williams was, you know, playing ball even when he was a senior back in the day. He was playing safety when he was, you know, in receiver, and he's 6'6", and he's all over the place, and... I, you know, I, I can't uh, begrudge the decision. You know, I certainly respect it, but uh, would certainly love to see him play some more football too. I think it's uh, the more well-rounded you are, you know, especially if you go the college route. I think the better off you are. Also, I had a chance to see one of the upcoming guys for the uh, 2020 class, and uh, boy, Marjan Bochamp. I think he's grown a couple inches. He looks good. Yeah, he was on the floor with guys like David Crisp and, and Spencer Hawes, and couple other guys and I thought he was the best guy on the floor in the in the quarter that we saw um he shows a deep game and he loves to attack he attacked Oz and got to the hole for a bucket um pretty decisive so still for a high school kid and I know he's, he's transferring down to a, a school down in Arizona it's unfortunate that he's leaving the Seattle area but hopefully that won't uh, deter him from thinking about Washington uh you know where he wants to go to school because he certainly looks like he could be a difference maker especially on offense but also, his, he is so rangy. His, his, just his body type, he's so lanky. He's 6'6", maybe? He's, yeah, he's got to be every bit of 6'6". Six, six. And, and, and for him, like that, a guy like that at the top of the zone, we've already seen with Matisse Thibel how that can be really, really effective when you have super long arms and you can anticipate. And if he can learn some of those things and playing in a, in a zone like Hop, Hopkins up at Washington, uh, could be really, really good. He looked longer than uh, Matisse. He looked a little bit taller. Yeah, maybe. no, he just he's he's just super, super young. hasn't filled out yet, but he's got all the all the pieces you need to be a a phenomenal defender with his arms and his and his uh, quick twitch and everything else that he's got going for him. And again, when you combine that with the offensive skills that he showed today, at just a glimpse, 
he's got a pretty well-rounded game, Kim. You got a chance to see Marcus Sahonis' hair today. Yeah. What do you think? Has he got the coolest hair it's, in a while? It's certainly there. I can't... Who would he compare to hair-wise? I don't know if there Co is. Is it Kobe White, the kid that was a kid? Yeah, that, yeah, no, no, no. That's that's a great comparison nationally. I'm trying to think of Washington. Is, it, is there ever been a guy like that? No, I don't think so. I know when I remember when um, who was uh, when Joel Smith. Joel Smith used to wear a, a really big afro sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes. That's the only other guy that I've seen had hair that big. Yeah, but this is kind of a messy afro. No, well, yeah, it's all over the place. But Kobe White's the that's the right. That's the right comparison. Also had a chance to talk to Robert Upshaw for a minute. Yeah. Robert's Robert. He played overseas last year. I think he did quite well. He'll probably... He's back east, though, in the Far East, right? Like China, Japan, one of those? Uh, He's in the Far East, he, isn't he? He played in Poland. Oh, that's right. That's right. He I was thinking of someone else then. He said the food was good. People were cool. Yeah. No. So, Robert getting a paycheck is a good thing. Yeah. Oh, phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. No, if he can get some life experience and stuff and going abroad and things like that, that's going to help him. Yeah, uh, we had a chance to um, meet up at UW and uh, take a look at the New Jerseys. They were going to make it a cruise around uh, the lake in their partnership, which I thought was kind of stupid. But um, it you didn't rained. like the part. You didn't like the partnership. Oh, that was kind of dumb. Okay, why? <laughs> Just thought it was dumb. Why? How would you? How would you have unveiled the marketing? A ten-year marketing well, apparel marketing. Deal. So we go out there. They're going to take us around, and I've got I've got contacts in. So they've got that big locker that some of you seen on the boat, and they started playing purple purple haze, and then they opened that thing, and this smoke, dry ice. I don't know what it was started coming out. I think my contacts froze to my eye. I had to, I had to walk away. But uh, they were originally going to take us around the lake, and then the weather wasn't cooperating. And then at the end of it, they said, anybody want to go for a cruise around the lake? And I think it was pretty much unanimous. Everybody said, no, we're good. I think all the Washington people stayed. I think all the media people left. But, uh, no, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I think the partnership is catchy because it's Washington. Washington's known for having their, their stadiums right on the water. It's, it is the defining, unique feature about the stadium. So why not have a ship? Why not have a boat that proudly proclaims the new apparel deal? You can you consider it cheesy, but I, I think it's actually pretty smart because it, it differentiates itself from any other market that's out there. I think it would have been better if they said, you know, we have a new steak in the community with Adidas and had it at the Metropolitan Grill with an all-you-can-eat buffet. Well, I'm not saying they, <laughs> I'm not saying they can't build off of it. But I mean, here's the thing. I mean, when you, I think essentially what we got to see was a sneak peek of what they're going to do with the media, with the with the public at large. It sounds like the season ticket holders get a chance to see it a little early, like maybe even tomorrow, Sunday or Monday. So there's a chance, you know, they're, they're rolling this thing out steady. And I think we just literally kind of got the presentation that everyone else is going to get. And, and I think, to be honest with you, yeah, we're probably jaded in the media in terms of what we've seen in those kinds of presentations. But I think it's something that the, the fans will really kind of attach themselves to. And I think they'll really enjoy. And I think probably the biggest reason is because it's not Nike. That's probably the biggest reason. Oh, yeah. And, um, how do I say this? Um, I think that Adidas, if they can stick it to Nike a little bit, they will. So it'll be interesting to see some things that come out with this thing. With because I still, you know, think that they would love Washington to be the flagship school for Adidas. And 
in the in the West for sure. Yeah, and then having Oregon there, I, I think they'd love to build that into a rivalry. And I t- told you, I, you know, my idea, you know, of um, you know, with the Apple Cup being the uh, sponsored by Boeing, and it's the Boeing Apple Cup. How about making the Washington Oregon game this year the Adidas Cup? Why? Nike wouldn't go for that. They don't have a choice. It's at Washington. Yeah, I don't. I just don't. I, what are they going to do? So when he goes to Oregon, it'll be the Nike there sponsored you go. by Nike. There are, you, think, you think Washington's going to be happy about that? Hey, I think if it throws a little gasoline on the flame, it's all good for, for me. For people that don't know, though, so so the international headquarters for Nike is obviously in Beaverton because it's an Oregon-based brand. Yeah. But the U.S. North American headquarters for Adidas, who's a German brand. Their North American headquarters is in Portland. It's in Portland, yeah. And so, and, and and I have friends that actually worked on the, the construction of it and putting the glass on it and all that stuff. And you know, they talk about how amazing it is and and can't wait to go down there and see it at some point. But I think the rivalry is already there. I don't. I, I it may not be one where it's super public and it's super vicious and all that stuff. But I guarantee you, in terms of the the public domain and in terms of trying to grab your apparel dollar the 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 war between nike and, and adidas and then you add under armor to it and all that it's it's i think it's 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 definitely heating up it's, i was talking to some of the basketball guys too because when um uh home games they have to use the adidas ball right you right know, and, and then when they go to um um you know, the Nike schools, they use the Nike ball. They said the only thing that's kind of weird because they're used to the Adidas ball and the Nike ball, but uh, uh, Utah is uh, Under Armour. And so they said the Under Armour ball, but I'm sure Under Armour just, you know, contracts the ball out. Well, can't they take their ball? They take their balls with them, right? They use their own balls when they're playing. Not in the game. Not in the game. Their, their side of the ball, they can't choose the ball that they use? For basketball. I thought you Okay, you didn't say football or basketball. You, you didn't. Basketball, yeah. Well, okay. I'm, to be honest with you, I, I know there's, to me, there's bigger differences between different footballs than there are about basketball. Yeah, there is, yeah. So, I, who cares? Basketball? Yeah. But okay, sorry. Uniform, People you, are probably going to freak out. I, I just don't you, see the difference. Uniforms are fine. I mean, I thought they looked great. I, you know, I, it's funny, you know, some of the fans get really worked up about it and alumni and that, but... You knew with Coach Pete and Jen Cohen that they were going to keep it pretty traditional, but it sounds like this is just version one, and they're going to keep on trying to get better. They'll add a neutral uniform at some point in time, but they're not going to go away from traditional. Well, the way the timing of the contract with Nike expired, they couldn't they couldn't create the partnership with Adidas until July first. So that meant that they were going to have very very little time to create this core kind of uniform collection um, that they could put together and, and make it work for this year. So they're keeping it kind of strictly basic, but they also have some very unique kind of design twerks, tweaks, excuse me, that are, you know, that are unique to Washington, like the purple rain and the numbers and this angle of attack that they talked about with the, with the numbers that they wanted to kind of Harken back a little bit to the Don the James stripes, era. The stripes on the sleeves. The, the three changed. stripe. Well, the three stripe life, but they kept it purple on purple. But those so there's no color, black. But there's changed colors evidently with the different lighting. Yeah, probably. And there's no, but there's no black in the in the uniforms. Um, you know, Chris Peterson didn't want uh, gold piping around the numbers, the white numbers, because Don James didn't have it that way. So they wanted to kind of go back to a more traditional look. So I think in that way, they kind of struck a nice chord between 
kind of honoring the tradition yet at the same time trying to offer up some unique kind of modern design touches to make it their own and make it different than what they had in Nike. The purple's a little bit different. Um, the gold is, I think, a lot more different. But uh, I, what I'm hearing is that with the limited amount of time that they have, the gold is a really difficult color to produce without making it look khaki or tan. Right, and well, that's why the, the helmet and the, I think what you're seeing is the, the the color of the helmet to the color of the pants is about as close as they're going to be able to match it up. It's pretty close. It's not exact, but it's as close as they're going to get it right now. Yeah, it's, and like I keep on saying, it's a difficult color. I, I guess. I don't know. I'm not a... <laughs> I'm not... I'm not a designer, so I don't know. I mean, I looked at the uniforms, and I go, cool, they look good. Yeah. That, okay. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's pretty much it, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not Ralph Lauren, so I don't know. I mean, yeah. I just put them on and let them go. Trust me, my feeling on uniforms has always been, I don't care what color they are, I don't care this, that, the other thing. If the kids think that they play better, if they look the way they look, knock themselves out. They look fine. They look good. I think they did a good job. Good. Yeah. So we'll roll it out, and then the next phase we'll worry about basketball uniforms lately. Yeah, it sounds like they're not, yeah. It sounds like that's obviously because that's going to be in, in the winter. Um, they're not going to be as ramped up on that kind of stuff. I And again, I think kind of with the common theme of the department, I just don't think that there's going to be a like a massive, <laughs> you're not going to see a bunch of different colors and different designs. I think they're going to keep it pretty pretty basic introducing the two-way v4 where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance with fuel cell each step feels explosive delivering unparalleled energy return paired with fresh foam experience maximum comfort throughout the game its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition the two-way v4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at new balance yeah, um, at least for this year. Recruiting, uh, big commit. Um, I think that this one um, may be flying under the radar to a lot of uh, casual people, but Miles Morale is really good. He's really, really good. He's the top offensive lineman in California. So, you know, Washington hasn't had an opportunity where they've gotten the best offensive lineman in California very often, like Lincoln Kennedy. I can think of the day, you know, Nathan Rhodes. We can all remember Nathan Rhodes. Nathan Rhodes yeah. Never even really showed up because he got hurt. But, uh, you know, there's not very often when they get a chance to do that. And so to get the best guy out of California really speaks to, to what Scott Huff and, and Chris Peterson, those guys are doing right now. He's playing tackle in high school, and uh, he's projecting to play center. Yeah, he's about 6'2", six, 6'2 two, six, two and, and he's about 300, 305 pounds. He's not super tall. Um, but I'll tell you what, he was one of the top five offensive linemen at the opening, which, as everyone knows, is the big seven-on-seven -seven competition that they had recently down in, in, in Texas. But they also have a lineman challenge associated with it, and he was one of the top five guys. You know, there was some, there was some video footage of him going up against some of these Clemson defensive guys and, stu and stuffing them. So that was really good to see. But you're right, Kim, he, he usually plays tackle for modern day, but he's going to be asked to play inside. And I think one of the drawing cards – for him in Washington was the opportunity to maybe step in and play center right away once Nick Harris graduates. Yeah, um, I'm not sure that um, that center jobs is going to be as wide open as many think because I've heard a lot of talk of um, uh, uh, Luke Wattenberg sliding over there. 
Well, I mean, you got him, you got Corey Luciano, you got Cole Norgard. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be options. Yeah, I mean, if you if you were able to slide um, <laughs> um, Wattenberg in there, you've got some really good guys behind them because uh, what's his name? Henry Bainavalu is a really talented guy who's going to have to see the field here pretty quick. Well, he's got a chance to play right tackle next year after Jerry Hilbers graduates. There's yeah. there's going to be opportunities for him. And Victor Kern, <coughs> MJ Ole. Yeah. We just go down no, the road. No, it's a, it's a, there's no question. There's a lot of opportunities for guys down the road, and they're going to lose Trey Adams. They're going to lose Nick Harris. They're going to lose, um, you know, Jared Hilbers. So there's going to be opportunities, no question. C.J. Wallace commits on Christmas Day. Keith Taylor commits on Christmas <laughs> Eve. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, now um, we get a commitment on the 4th of July. Sure. And to be honest, I, I'm surprised we don't expect more. And to be honest, I think we'll, we'll get more and more of them. You know, I mean, with recruiting happening earlier and earlier and earlier, I think it'll show up. But, um, you know, Miles Morrow, hell of a player, comes from a super tough league, Trinity League down in SoCal, really good player. His commitment video was actually pretty cool. <coughs> yeah, no, it was. It was um, one of those where he had his top seven and the six were in front, and each one of them, you show the logo, and then it's on a TV, and it just kind of fizzles out. Yeah. And the first one was Oregon, which, of course, everyone's going to be happy about. But, you know, yeah, LSU, Texas A&M, USC, UCLA. I mean, you know, he had all the, all the big ones. Coaches are out uh, pretty much on vacation for the next couple of weeks. Not a lot going on. Um, I, I saw Scott Huff uh, tuna fishing somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Akaika Malloy is back home in Hawaii. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Would make sense. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Lake, I'm sure, is on a golf course with his son somewhere. Okay. Coach Pete, I'm sure, is out on his boat. And uh, this is just the time. So, you know, when it comes to recruiting, I don't expect a lot to be happening over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they've got a chance to host guys on campus at the end of July if they want to. I think there's going to be some that show up. Uh, obviously, Scott will have a lot more on that as we go forward. I'll catch off guard a little bit. You always like it when I do that. Sure. The Savelle Smalls thing. Put Washington back in his top eight. What do you think? Well, first of all, were they ever really out of it? I mean, no. you may have said it, but... Okay. Secondly, I, I, I'm not worried. It, it just doesn't doesn't hit my radar at all. I mean, it until something really significant happens. You know, if he if he decides to make a commitment somewhere, that's significant. Decides to really, you know, once he goes on official visits, that's significant. Until then, it, it's not on my radar. Yeah, I mean, from people I know that, <coughs> excuse me, are close to the situation. Savelle realized shortly after he took Washington out of his top 12 or top 8 or whatever, it probably wasn't a real wise move. Um, I think he's listening to some people that um, maybe aren't as savvy in the recruiting circles as they need to be for a kid this high profile. He's still only a 17-year-old kid trying to make adult decisions and... Uh, I think that um, he took a lot of crap, abuse, whatever you want to call it, for eliminating the hometown uh, like he did. He seems to have been all over the place in a lot of different things. He was at two basketball games over a weekend, all UW, looking for a lot of attention, um, doing a lot of weird stuff out there, just being a little bit immature like 17-year-olds can be. But, um, you know, from what I'm understanding, he's getting a little bit better advice and, um he may be maturing a little bit more. Imagine a 17-year-old maturing a little bit more. But um, 
Washington if he was to commit to Washington. I think there's a long ways to go and a lot of things would have to happen. Well, I mean, the news, you either put the news in one of two buckets, Kim. You're either of the opinion that none of this matters until he goes see, and sees schools officially once he actually makes a commitment, that kind of thing. Or you're in the bucket of, okay, like you said, he's if he's getting bad advice in taking Washington out of the equation and then now he's getting advice to put it back in, then these are simply political moves and where does that leave you? And when I say bad advice, I'm not saying it's bad advice on where to go to school or where not to go to school. It's how to deal with things on social media, deal with things the way when he is on campuses, deal with things the way he does when he's at seven-on-seven events in competitive situations. And some of the antics have really raised some eyebrows. Well, I'm sure he's being pulled in a ton of different directions. I mean, he's probably being pulled in different directions in terms of where he was going to play his senior year. I mean, he's going to be playing back at Kennedy, which is where he played when he was a freshman. You know, I'm sure he got pulled in, in in a situation where people wanted him to stay at Garfield, where he'd played the last two years. So I don't know. I mean, there's... People don't really think about the the forces that are that are kind of eating away at a guy like that, and they're coming from all angles. And you, you know, from his perspective, I'm sure he's sitting here going, "Who can I trust? Yeah. Who who who's giving me the right advice?" So you got to lean on your family, you got to lean on the people that you know, your coaches and things like that, to give you the kind of help that uh, that you're going to need going through this process because he certainly can't go through it alone. Yeah, from what we're hearing, you know, he's not even talking to the Washington coaches. Washington coaches aren't talking to him. And, you know, dealing with some of the things on the message board, this isn't a simple process. People don't look the next step. If Savelle called Chris Peterson this afternoon and said, I want to commit, I want to go to UW, do you think it's as simple as that? I do. And I don't. Because I think that Savelle Smalls is the kind of kid where – he, you know, he's going to have to go through the process with Coach Pete. Okay, well, we've seen this. This has got to change. And then in addition, if you're going to commit, you're shutting down recruiting. And I don't see Savelle Smalls as a kid right now who's willing to shut down recruiting. Well, but the bottom line is you, you, you're not talking about what's, in, what's involved with that phone call. Yeah. If he gets on the phone with Chris Peterson and says, Coach, I'm committing to Washington. I'm shutting it down. What's he going to say? Of course he's going to say yes. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the whole point. whole point is... You're saying he has to go through a process. Savelle does. Well, my answer to that is Chris Peterson and the staff at Washington already vetted Savelle and already considered him an OKG because they offered him. And they offered him, they were the first team to offer him. They were they offered him a long time ago. So as far as I'm concerned, there that's water that's already under the bridge. Yeah, I'm just saying that a school like uh, Oregon would take his commitment, no questions asked, and great, we got you. Right, and I think that uh, to commit to Coach Pete, um, you know, shutting down the process and the things that are expected to you when you're committed, that's going to be a long, a little bit longer conversation than say he's going to get at a school at Oregon if he wanted to commit. That may be the case, but I don't think that's any different than when Jalen McMillan committed or Miles Morale committed or any of these other guys committed. I just don't, I don't see Chris Peterson and that staff treating Savelle Smalls. Any differently than they would treat any of these any of these other top players. You think Savelle Smalls is going to Washington? I have no idea at this point. I, I truly don't. Yeah. I mean, I always lean towards thinking the 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 hometown guys are thinking hard, long and hard about staying home. You know, typically when you have a guy that's you know when Washington was the first offer, was the first that was the first true college experience that he'd ever seen before. And he can always go there at any time and check it out and do all those things. 
you know, that, that's kind of the, it's not first love, but it's the, it's the first, it's the first experience. And then once they get kind of through all this stuff and they've been wined and dined and wooed by the Alabamas and the Floridas and the Ohio States and all these, you know, a lot of times if they don't make those decisions up to that point, they might come full circle. You never know. And I kind of, you know, we've been doing this a long time, so we try to equate it to past situations, and I kind of equate it a little bit to what happened with Buda Baker. And then Buddha, you know, to our surprise, committed to Oregon. And I think we were all really surprised about that. But then once Buddha committed to Oregon, I think we knew him well enough that n neither of us thought that Buddha would ever decommit. But it went from never decommitting to things slowly started changing and that's the way recruiting works where right now you know where you know a couple weeks ago Savelle Smalls doesn't have Washington on the radar now he's listing him in the top eight you know and will that momentum where he's starting to look a little bit more and more and more happen until something happens like Buda Baker where he decided to decommit from Oregon and commit to Washington is that something that could happen and I think that it would be a slow momentum shift, and then once the, that ball could get rolling, and I think that's what it would be with Savelle. It's possible. I mean, there's there's certainly something to it in terms of. Um, I think Buddha was a real game changer for Peterson because he was his first big time commit in the program, and and to get him to flip was monumental. To get a guy like Savelle in the boat would be absolutely monumental, but for a different reason in terms of maintaining that kind of commitment, in terms of getting a top five, top ten guy nationally to stay close to home when they're getting pulled to the Alabamas and the Oregons and the Floridas and the wherevers, you know, all over the place. He can go anywhere he wants. So to keep that guy close to home is 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 winning a different type of re recruiting battle entirely, but it's one that they have to win in order to be able to compete with the big boys. And, of course, that's what everybody's looking for now if you're a Washington fan. Yeah, they're winning Pac-12 titles, they're getting the New Year's Six Bowl games, but they're not winning those games. And a guy like Savelle Smalls could be the difference between winning and losing a, a New Year's Six game. We have about two more weeks where it's a little bit slow, Chris. <laughs> trying to get as much fun in the sun as we can possibly get in the next few weeks. Uh, I leave the 23rd of July for Media Day down in L.A. on the 24th, and that's when things really start ramping up and rocking and rolling. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll have previews. Previous uh, positional previews going here pretty soon. Um, yeah, we think obviously with fall camp starting first week in August, that's when it'll really hit and that's when it'll start getting very real. I always say it's just like the day after 4th of July. It's when we start to get that a little bit of edge on us because we know it's coming. Oh, of course. No, I think anytime after the 4th of July, you know that you've got a finite amount of time to kind of get the fun in while you can and because you know that the work's coming. Anything we need to cover? Anything else we missed? Um, I can't think of anything else, honestly. Um, like I said, good day today. Watching some basketball. And, um, you know, football's on the horizon. So there's a lot going on. It's, ama it's amazing. I still find it amazing sometimes that, you know, even when we're starting to get into the down periods, there's still a ton of things to talk about with recruiting and Adidas and some of these other things. So there's, we're, there's still no shortage of news. It's funny because we've been doing this so long and there's certain guys that we see that just always make us smile and seeing Noah Dickerson walk by with two bags of popcorn made me smile today. Yeah, well it was fun too because we got to see some football guys there. Miles Gaskin was there um, and uh, Simon Ahmed was there, some other guys. It was, so it was good. It was 
definitely like an old home week in terms of Washington goes because you see a lot of former players that were there, basketball players, and then obviously you see the new guard as well. And then, um, you know, it's, and, and again, the crossover is great, you guys. It's It goes Saturday and Sunday on the weekends, and it's going through August, and it'll be fun because it's you're not seeing the high profile, you're not seeing the Jamal Crawfords and those guys quite yet. But once you start getting into August, they'll start showing up, and then it's going to get really good. And admission prices? Free. Again? Free. Yeah, it's free. <laughs> it's free. Also, uh, just so you know, I talked to David Crisp for a minute, and just, you know, uh, David's one of my favorites because, you know, he doesn't have all the tools of everybody else. He doesn't have the height. He doesn't have the athletic ability. But you know what? He always get, he always gives you everything he has, and he's always passionate about it. Yeah. No. It's, it's, Got a chance to see him, and David's doing what David does. He doesn't. He's not going to change. What did he do in the camera? Oh well, he got it. He got a fast break, and he was like, yeah, it was like just warming up or something. I mean, he, <laughs> basically, it was the first play of the first play of the first period. So it was like, yeah, I'm just warming up, just getting going. You smack talk warming up. So uh, just a reminder: if you want those daily updates, not so much daily now, but we'll start ramping those up daily updates as well as alerts from any breaking news. Just shoot us a note. HuskyStadium at gmail.com. We will put you on the list and we will get you those alerts and the daily updates. And um, July 23rd, head to LA. July 24th, media day. It's just right around the corner, Chris. So for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters. Go, dogs.